welcome to Change Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. I'm your host, First Class Life Mentor and Certified Profiting from Your Passions Coach, Kate Fessler. My guest today is Thelma Putzel. In today's corporate environment, if you were to ask the average employee, would you stay if you won the lottery? Most employees would likely respond with a resounding, no. For many people, the jobs we hold in the corporate setting today are all about the paycheck and not a whole lot about passion or purpose in our lives. We show up each day held by the golden handcuffs we call a salary and constantly complain about how weekends and vacations are too short. Thelma's intention is to change this unfulfilling sentiment for those who want more out of life and feel stuck in the corporate world. Over 30 years in the corporate environment, Thelma built a diverse career portfolio working for a major consulting firm, a financial institution, and leading high-tech software companies as an individual contributor, manager, and mentor. Working with fast-paced high-tech companies such as HP, EDS, Oracle, and Informatica, Thelma had to figure for herself how to work how to have work-life balance and a meaningful connection to her work, and what it meant to live her best life on her terms. She has developed strategic ways to overcome the disempowering thoughts of, I should, I have to, and I'm supposed to, and now moves through life with inspiration and authenticity. Thelma helps professionals who want to work smarter, not harder, and be high performers while achieving their own work-life balance. Thelma's passion is to share her wealth of knowledge and provide detailed insights, strategies, and tools to those who don't know where to start or how to connect to what she calls their genius within. She helps professionals find fulfillment in their job beyond the paycheck by meeting and trusting the genius within and shifting their mindset to embrace their worth so they can accelerate their path to more success, fulfillment, and happiness on their terms. Welcome, Thelma. Hello, Kate, and thank you for having me on your podcast today. Starting at the beginning, you were born and raised on the island of Kauai, which is an incredibly beautiful place, the type of setting a lot of people dream about. And the culture in Hawaii is really unique. Tell me about that. Well, you know, it's funny. When I mention to people that I'm from the island of Kauai, the response I get from most are like, I love Kauai. I can almost see their bodies relax instantly. (laughs) I guess if I was to share a few thoughts about Hawaii and its culture, it would be really around the people, the food, and the environment. First of all, the pace is so relaxed there, especially on Kauai. And the people there really embrace this philosophy of aloha, which is a word that gets used for hello and goodbye, but it really has a deeper meaning for love, compassion, and peace, which are typically guidelines that we all live by. You know, it's that hang loose type of mentality, Mm -hmm. which is probably why the energy there is like so relaxing. Um, You know, very similar to the catchy phrase, be calm and relax, don't worry kind of style. Mm. Um, Besides that, I'd have to also say what's really cool about Hawaii is the diversity of um, ethnicity and foods. Oh, Uh ethnicity and foods, I meant to say. (laughs) You know, know, growing up, we called it a melting pot, which is just a blend of all cultures. Um, And so they've learned to blend all these cultures in their everyday life, especially in the variety of foods that they have, you know, Hawaiian, Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, and Portuguese. You know, and all of this is due to not only the Hawaiians, but also the immigrants that traveled from afar to work on the sugar plantations. 
Yeah, I, I was listening uh, to NPR earlier today, and I heard the governor of Hawaii, they were talking about something, and he said there's no majority in Hawaii, that everyone yeah. is a minority, and that makes for a yeah. very different uh, perspective for most people. Exactly. Um, but, you know, spam, on the other hand, um, <laughs> oh, as spam, part of a yes. food, <laughs> yes, was introduced after World War II. Um, and did you know that Hawaii is one of the biggest consumers of spam? I did know that, yes. <laughs> yes. In fact, I it's funny because I introduced um, to my husband a spam mousse to be in our early days of dating. And, and now we always have it when we go home. But for your listeners, um, if they've never had a spam musubi, it's, you know, a slice of cooked spam on top of a block of rice and wrapped with nori or what we call seaweed. So they should give it a try because they might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, absolutely. They make a lot of things with spam um, right. in Hawaii. You know, I, I lived there for a while in my 20s, and uh, it was a big culture shock for me going from the mainland to the islands. And um, so then you moved from the islands to the mainland, but you came over to attend university. So was that kind of a culture shock for you or you, had you kind of been exposed to the mainland mentality by then? <laughs> I was exposed a little bit to the mainland mentality. I had visited the mainland um, once or twice when I was in high school, but it still really was a bit of a shocker for me to be honest, and just being the minority, because I mean, all my life, I had never been a minority. And I do know that mainlanders that come to Hawaii to live, they feel like the minority. So I actually understood how they felt then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a big aha for me too. When I moved there, um, I definitely got a different perspective on what it's like to be the minority. It was, right. it was very eye opening. So you went to university and you graduated with a BS in information systems. How did you choose that career? Well, I didn't originally choose information systems as my path um, for my career when I first went to college. I first spent my first year um, as a music major in Indiana. Um, I had focused on the flute really? and had also played, yeah, and I'd also played the piano back then. But, you know, a year in the Midwest and this girl from Hawaii was done with the snow. <laughs> the, novel, the novelty had worn off, so I decided to head west to California. And and I and and it's interesting because it's funny how when when we can get clear on what we want based on what we don't want, right? Mm -hmm. I knew after that first year of college that I I didn't want snow, and while I wasn't was doing music at the time, um, it. It really wasn't something that I wanted to continue. So something inside me told me that I wanted to do something different. So business, on the other hand, interested me. Um, and then computers was really hot at the time when I was going to college. Of course, I might be dating myself there. Uh, but I really wasn't a computer geek. So information systems um, seemed to be more up my alley because it was more a bit of programming with, with some business, business attached to it. So I never really... Um, I really, that's, that's how I gravitated towards that a little bit more. I kind of just went with what made sense and what was more, what was interesting to me and what I thought could make me money once I got out of college. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about once you got out of college, your career history. You work for some pretty major companies, uh, HP, EDS, Oracle, and Informatica. 
I remember the HP used to be like the number one best place to work in America. And I grew up on the East Coast. And we always heard this, you know, ooh, HP, right? <laughs> uh, were you there then when the founders were running it? Or was that before your time? Actually, it was before my time um, when HP had acquired EDS. However, um, while I was at EDS um, as a consultant, I actually had the opportunity to work on work with and for Tandem. So I consulted over at Tandem, which is a similar, I think, kind of culture to HP. Um, I loved I loved them and I loved working for them. Well, interesting. Much more than what? <laughs> I was going to say much more, much more than the big blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, my guest last week was talking about, you know, she um, helps connect people, you know, with the right skills, with the right cultures and that kind of thing. And um, there's a big emphasis now in, in some areas, and she's working to kind of help companies get a grip on this, of really making it you know, making companies again, kind of great places where people love to work because we mm. kind of got away a little bit away from that, I think. <laughs> right, right, right. And I, I also think that, you know, finding that culture that fits to you, you first need to know what you value, right? Making sure that your values are aligned to that particular culture. Because I have Absolutely. in my career come across companies where I the money looked good, and then I got in the door, and I thought, "Oh no, this is so not me." Right, exactly, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, yeah, if you're doing stuff for the money, for only for the paycheck, right? Um, right. You're not going to be very happy, not for very long, anyway. Um, but and that brings, I guess, brings us to the work-life balance. So. Those are, it sounds like those were some pretty demanding jobs that you had. And uh, for work-life balance, like a lot of people, you turn to nature and physical activity. Uh, you've done, very impressively, several half marathons, a half Ironman. And what I find most intriguing, you were part of an outrigger nine-woman team that paddled across the 41-mile Molokai Channel. That's not an experience a lot of people can say they've had. What was that like? Well, it was long, for sure. <laughs> How uh, long did it take you know, to go 41 miles in an outrigger? Well, the elite, the elite athletes, it takes them about four hours, four and a half hours. We took about six and a half hours. But, you know, our club was not one of the contenders to win the race. I mean, just doing the race itself was a huge goal in, in itself, right? The training and everything and the experiencing of crossing the channel for the first time. Um, was was a really great experience. I don't know if your listeners know, but for those who are not familiar with that type of race, it's a 41-mile outrigger canoe paddle from the island of Molokai to Oahu with nine women. And six women start in the canoe, and then you have three women that follow in a chase boat. And throughout the race, you just switch out and you change out. Um, uh-huh throughout the race so three women the three women in the chase boat drop into the water and they wait for the canoe to come by and then they grab onto the canoe and the and the people that are they're switching out jump out into the ocean and then the people in the water jump into the canoe and then you can continue the race on wow so i i mean it was a really cool experience to be in like this huge ocean um the race starts really early in the morning so the sunrise and everything um 
you know, just being out on the water, being in Hawaii. Uh, we got lucky that year in the sense that the waves weren't astronomically huge. They were, they were manageable. So, um, that was, that was a good year, good year to race in my mind, if you will. And I, Honestly, I didn't really think about sharks while I was out there. It was all about racing, right? <laughs> Getting in the water, doing your thing. Yeah. I'm really glad I had the opportunity to do it. So. Yeah, well, it's certainly an experience, you know, to put in your, in your memory bank. <laughs> right. So eventually, though, all those out, outdoor, outdoor activities um, just weren't enough, right? Like many people... After holding the same job for a few years, boredom and frustration set in, and you changed jobs, hoping the next one would bring fulfillment back into your life. And I think anyone who's ever (laughs) had a job is familiar with that experience, right? But you found that new roles and even a higher salary weren't the answer. So when did you start thinking you might want more from life than balancing a full-time job with extracurricular activities to help keep you sane? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, It's funny. It's kind of like that backpack that you carry around and you just carry it around from job to job until you finally decide to look into the backpack, right? So I'd have Mm -hmm. to say probably in 2009 is when I'm like, okay, I'm tired of this real big heavy backpack. I'm going to start looking and and see what's inside of it, right? What what really am I looking for? Um, And so it was probably in 2009 that I started my journey and it was really to understand what was the purpose of my life? Um, you see, I didn't really, I don't have any kids of my own. I'm not a biological mother to anyone. So that from that perspective of a purpose, I didn't have that. Um, I have a, a stepdaughter who, a beautiful stepdaughter who is getting excited, uh, who's actually getting married uh, next year. We're pretty excited about that. Uh, but she wasn't around us most of the year. You know, most most of my life had been focused around myself and my career and eventually with my husband, but I still felt there was something missing, you know, something more meaningful that mm-hmm. um, I didn't have. So it was probably at that point that I started to look for answers because basically like what you were saying, that ex- all those external things that I was chasing was no longer satisfying me the way, the way I wanted to be satisfied, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I began with reading books. I began working with mentors, um, you know, really started to get a better understanding of that purpose. And I guess you could say that in that moment in 2009, my purpose was just to first understand my purpose, right? But what I found as I as I started to go down the journey is it took me on a journey to really start to answer the question about who am I, right? And it is who am I beyond the roles and the responsibilities that I hold, but more like of that intrinsic value to the point where you can't even explain it, right, with words. Um, like what makes me different? What drives my determination? You know, what, what are the unique things that I bring to the table? So for me, understanding who I am was about going inward and diving deeper into myself and aligning to myself to understand why I do what I do. And eventually I came up with an understanding to find more meaning and fulfilling. Um, I'm much more conscious about how I go about doing things now. I make sure that they're not only to serve others, but also even to serve myself, right? Um, it's it's kind of like in that movie, um, Salmon Fishing in the Yemen, uh, when the sheik... It's with you and McGregor, and the sheik says to him, 
about building a dam for him, a salmon, uh, a dam that's going to contain salmon, right, in the Yemen. You know, if your heart is not in it, then why bother doing it? Of course, I'm paraphrasing. You know, so I've learned how to bring my heart into my work and to connect to my work so that I make it more fulfilling and more meaningful for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds, I think they used to call that like a midlife crisis, right? But I think that... <laughs> I think it happens for everyone. I mean, it's, it, it happened for me around that same time. So maybe there was something mm. in the uh, stars or something. But um, I do find, and, and it could be just the people that I know, but I don't think so. I do find that a lot of people around a certain time of their life, after they have usually, and usually it's, you know, people do go and get married and have kids. And then as the kids are, you know, kind of, getting off into their, uh, into, into their adulthood. Um, and obviously, cause I'm the same as you, I don't have any children and, but it, but it's the same. So I think it's a biological thing where we start mm. to question, like, is this really all there is and mm-hmm. is there more and why, you know, maybe just why, <laughs> um, right. And, and that starts, you know, if you're, if you do it right, it starts you on a really wonderful journey to learning a lot about how fabulous we all are or could be. Um, but if you don't do it right, it can lead to some, to a lot of pain. So um, we're going to talk about what you discovered. We've got to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the genius within. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. Are you ready to rise up and share all your greatness to the world? Stop playing small and settling for mediocrity? If so, then you need to join us at our eWomen Network Entrepreneur Conference and Business Expo in Dallas this year, August 3rd through the 5th. There will be hundreds of women entrepreneurs from all over the world waiting to meet you to share knowledge, wisdom, and even partnerships. Get ready to be coached by me and learn from other multi-million dollar speakers who will teach, inspire, motivate, and guide you to transform your thinking from small to big. And you can't beat the food and fun at our Saturday night dance party either. Look, no one makes it alone, so it's time to stop trying to be the COE, chief of everything, and step into your role as CEO. There is nothing like the eWomen Network Conference to bring out your genius and help you take action on living your dream. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. Welcome back. You are listening to Change Redefining Success. I'm Kate Fessler, and this week my guest is Thelma Putzel. Thelma, your work is centered around what you call the genius within. When and how did you discover this concept? I guess for me, I I discovered this concept just in my own journey of self-awareness. One of the practices that I hold um, is to actually have some morning time, right? Some morning meditation, some morning quiet time, if you will. Um, And I usually start my mornings with a a little bit of reading and then a little bit of quiet time. And I had come across um, 
explore in Scotland. In fact, I had actually, as I looked in my life, as I looked in my on my Kindle, I'd actually ran across this book um, before, but I guess it didn't resonate with me at the time. But reading through it again, it's called um, The Game of Life with Florence Scovel Shin. In in one of the chapters, she had this affirmation that was that included the word genius in it, and I, and it just hit me like a light bulb that oh my goodness, we all have a genius within us. And, you know, on this journey of self-awareness of who I am, um, it just hit me like a light bulb. And so I just kind of, I played with the concept for a little bit. And and then when I Googled one day, what is a genius? You know, what came up is exceptional intellect or creative power or natural ability. And what dawned on me in, in the sentence is it wasn't the word and, but the word or. You know, with all those three things, one or this or that. And I thought, wow, if people knew that they were geniuses within themselves, you know, how do I help them release that genius within them then, right? And it all comes down to understanding and knowing and being able to that answer that question, who am I, is what it all comes down to. Mm, I like that because you're right. People do associate genius with intellect. And right. What you're saying is that we all have some genius within us in our natural abilities that we're born with. Right. I mean, if you strip away, if you strip away, and like if you if you don't think of it as an intellect, because no no two people are alike, right? Everybody is unique in their own way. So it's like what what with self expression, you become a genius. The question is whether you're self-expressing your true self or you're mimicking what you think other people think you should be. Yes, which is essentially what we all do, at least till we get to the point where we say, huh, why am I doing this? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So you mentioned that people often don't have a sense of their own worth. And I think part of that is created and perpetuated by the workplace environment, where there's always a focus on weaknesses and performance reviews really designed to justify not giving you more money or a promotion. (laughs) In our Mm. society, so much value judgment is based on what you do or how much money you make. So how can people get a better sense of their own worth outside of these artificial constructs? How do they they, uh, account for that genius within? So it's funny, right? Because once you once you even strip away those artificial constructs, you have to ask yourself, well, what what reality, what really is left? Um, and I think some of the challenges we have as professionals um, is the pace that we live and the responsibilities that we hold can be so fast paced and so overbearing that we actually don't take the time to slow ourselves down and look inward, right? We don't take the time to really ask that question, who am I? Um, and it's when you can do that, when you can answer that question, who am I? Um, and that question is not only the single question, but like really understanding at the intrinsic value of, you know, what are your strengths? What are your, what are the things that you like, you don't like? What really drives you? What are your values? You know, why do people compliment you? And you understanding that and that value internally is when you start to understand your worth because then it goes beyond the paycheck, right? And then once you can embrace that, you yourself change in regards to your behavior and how you come about and how you actually project. You become your actually true self. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it's it's very powerful to have that knowledge and that confidence in who you are because it does then shield you from a lot of the whimsies, if you will, of um of society and corporate America and and you know within yourself that you can handle it, that you you have value mm-hmm. and that no matter what you're hearing, that you can then either take that and and not pay attention to it or take it somewhere else or whatever it is that that you feel is necessary. But a lot of people live in fear of mm-hmm. not conforming. And mm-hmm that can keep them from looking for that genius within because mm-hmm. they might be afraid that if they find it, then that, that sets them apart, which of course it does in a way, but a lot of people don't really want that. So what's the, what's the value of having that sort of not separateness, but awareness of something that maybe not everybody else does? Well, I guess, you know, if you think about things that are rare in life that have huge value, right? I mean, if you can find out how you're unique and understand how you're unique and rare, you may not see yourself as being an oddball or different, but what you'll see yourself is almost like that 24-karat diamond instead, right, that has tons of value. And that's kind of, that's kind of the path, that's kind of the the way you want to go. But a lot of that comes down to mindset and mindset of understanding, you know, who you are and, and your own value and your own worth um, and seeing that value for yourself. Mm-hmm. Say a little bit more about mindset because it's a big topic. And I think in many ways, some people just, slough it off as oh yeah yeah mindset think positive whatever (laughs) um but it really does make a difference and uh, it it was interesting and this was very controversial um ben carson our Mm -hmm. secretary of housing and urban development was widely criticized for saying that um he I, i don't know exactly what he said but it was something to the effect that if you have a poverty mindset, uh, you can be given everything in the world and you'll still have nothing. And vice versa. And I th- possibly in the context in which he sent it, it was said it, it was inappropriate. But I think in many ways that's true. That mm-hmm. if, you know, if your mindset is such that you don't appreciate or don't Uh, understand how to value or don't have the confidence or whatever it is in yourself um, you'll never find that genius within within, and so you'll always be one step behind right it's almost like like attracts like right so you know for those who don't have that wealthy mindset and have more of the poverty mindset it's it's like how can they even keep or hold that wealth if they're not they're not similar to it, right? I guess the same way for I would think the same way with a mindset, right? If your thoughts and your beliefs are if you're negative, if you have like negative self-talk or you're always saying to yourself, "Oh, I should have done that," or 
why did I do this? You know, I mean, a different way to look at it is, wow, dang, I did a really good job of messing that up. I mean, do you feel the shift? Do you feel the difference in being able to talk to yourself that way? Like you're actually giving yourself kudos. I mean, it's kind of crazy, <laughs> but you're giving yourself kudos, but you laugh at yourself, right? I had a colleague, I was talking to her on the phone one day and during the workouts and she mentioned to me how she wasn't eating lunch and right now she was like eating a half a pint of ice cream and I'm like, well, you're doing a really good job of it. And she started <laughs> to laugh and I'm like, but if you can keep things in the flow and not get so constricted, I feel, then that's a little bit different. So we need to be a little bit easier on ourselves, right? Um, and some of that mindset is about being easier on yourself. It's about self-love, right? It's about realizing that you have something unique to offer, but you need to start with loving yourself. And then once you can love yourself, then guess what you project out, right? We can only give what we have. And when it comes to worth and when it comes to love and all that, you can only, people will see you the way you see yourself. So mm -hmm. if you can see yourself that way, you know, then of course others will see you that way. But I think a lot of times people complain that they're unappreciated and undervalued, but then you have to actually ask yourself, well, how much do you actually think about yourself that way? Because right. if you don't, if you don't value yourself, then you're not going to, other people won't value as much either. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you find yourself, as we were talking about before, um, you know, changing jobs and ending up in the same situation, then it's time to look inside. What did you call it? The backpack that you take along with you yeah. uh, to right. each job and find out what's in there, because that's what's creating um, the issues that you find yourself encountering again and again and again. Yeah. I mean, the common denominator between job and job and job is guess what? Thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're almost out of time. So I'd like to ask you the question I ask all my guests. What is one book or resource that changed your life that you would recommend to people? Um, I guess it's a book that I, that I mentioned earlier, I believe it. it was by Florence Scobble Shin, and it's called The Book of, um, or The Game of Life and How to Play It. Um, and it's a book really that helps with, you know, sense of purpose and belonging. You really discover how your mind and your mindset and the wonderful thoughts that you have pay, play a really huge leading role in the game of life that you're playing. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I'm going to look for that. So what are a few things people can do besides making an appointment with you right away? to find fulfillment in their job beyond the paycheck, to start accessing that genius within and, and acknowledging and understanding their own value? Uh, well, they usually can visit my website at innerworthconnection.com. I offer a free report that covers three concepts to connect back to their work. You know, I believe the only thing you can really control in your life is yourself. So the most powerful place to start is really with you especially if you're looking for more happiness and fulfillment at work. And then on my website, they can also connect with me through my Take Action page. They can set up a discovery session. I'd be happy to talk with them on how they're struggling and maybe what, what would be good for next steps for them. Awesome. Innerworthconnection.com. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Thelma. That was very enlightening. Thank you, Kate, for having me.
Well, that was interesting, don't you think? Your inner genius, also known as your inner voice or higher self for the more woo-woo among you, is where your innate gifts and talents reside and the place where you will find all the answers you've been searching for. If you have something to say about today's podcast, leave a comment on the show page. I hope you'll subscribe or follow the podcast so you'll be alerted when the next one becomes available. And I hope you'll tell your friends to listen too. If you think you might like to be a guest on my podcast, there's a link on the podcast homepage to a survey. Please complete and submit it and we'll see if it's a good fit. Just a reminder, I'll be posting the recommendations of my guests on my website, firstclasslifesolutions.com. Look for the resources tab. While you're there, sign up to get the free Core Values Worksheet. Your core values are the solid foundation on which your first class life is built, so you need to be crystal clear about them so you can evaluate opportunities to see if they're in alignment. Next week, my guest will be Gary Sundersky. Gary is an author, speaker, teacher, and branding specialist internationally acclaimed as an expert on the subject. He specializes in helping people and organizations to navigate change and frequently speaks and writes on the topic of emerging brands, personal branding, and companies in transition. Gary is an award-winning writer, author of The Book of Zen and Zen Zone, often quoted marketing expert, and recipient of the Distinguished Instructor Award from the University of California in Irvine, where he teaches branding. He resides in Southern California. We'll be talking about his new book, Zen Zone. I hope you'll join us. Until then, here's to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.